Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by San Antonio Express News Taste Team member, Paul Steven. Welcome back to the show, Paul. How are you doing today? Oh, quite fine. Thank you for having me back. No, it's great to have you, actually. Um, you just wrote a story about UNESCO and San Antonio being a creative city of gastronomy. You talk about a lot of stuff that I had no idea was going on in San Antonio. So let's start off with what is UNESCO? Okay, so what we have here, it's a, it's a pretty rare designation to be a UNESCO creative city. There, there's a giant net, network of creative cities around the globe. And you can be recognized for many different disciplines, uh, music, arts, crafts, that kind of thing. Like Austin, for example, is a UNESCO creative city of music. Here in San Antonio, we have the UNESCO creative city of gastronomy designation, which we, re- we really started work on this probably five years ago uh, with, with a long, tedious application process that was granted by UNESCO in 2017. The designation, many people tend to see this as a celebration of of contemporary food culture in a place, basically thinking about restaurants and bars, like what, what kind of dining scene do we have? But these designations are way more invested in, in the history of a place. So in San Antonio, what ours acknowledges, the reason we received this designation is to acknowledge the 10,000 give or take years of all the different cultures that have passed through the area along, along the San Antonio River. So it, it honors the, the the American Indians that were here before. It's the Germans. It's the Mexican, the, the Spaniards. It's basically anybody who has made home in this area has had an indelible mark on the food that we think of as San Antonio food. Yeah, you um, mentioned the Canary Islanders, Mexicans, Germans, Spaniards, and uh, American Indians over the last thirteen hundred years. Yeah, it's a huge range of of cultures that all brought something different to the table, and we are. What we eat when we go out is, I mean, we, we think of it as everyday food, but it's really the result of all of this migration. So you, you mentioned that Tucson, Arizona is one of the um, only two, including San Antonio, that have this designation in the United States. How have they uh, used their designation uh, around the city? So Tucson received its designation in 2015, and I had an opportunity to go out there uh, a year after we received ours in 2017 to sort of see how things had evolved in Tucson. Now, Tucson was not known as a, a food destination. Um, it's, it's, it's a big city that has a thriving dining scene and history, but it, it was not on anybody's radar as a tourist destination to go eat. Um, when they received their designation... It, it was almost an immediate transformation out there. I mean, people had been investing money in restaurants and other kind of hospitality-related businesses out there, but the world didn't know about it. The designation gave them a, 
a global platform to really capitalize on that and start bringing in huge numbers of tourists from all over. I, I mean, not just the country, but the world. So there, it's it's a thing that is very much seen as a significant driver of of the economy, um, sense of pride, that sort of stuff. Which, which we certainly have here in San Antonio as well. It's just our food scene was already fairly well established. We've had a robust tourism economy for forever. They have these sort of uh, defined goals. I say sort of because uh, like the Maverick Plaza thing was to bring in two restaurants and, um, and, uh, and a discovery kitchen. If I'm, am, I, am I saying uh, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Three restaurants and a, a sort of a demonstration kitchen. that would Demonstration be, kitchen, that's right. Yeah. And there was uh, an other, other goals to send local chefs out to other cities of gastronomy and, and vice versa. How are we doing on those goals and what, um, why haven't we met some of them? So the application process for the designation that the cities lay out a specific set of things that they intend to accomplish over, over a four year period of time. UNESCO requires a, uh, they call it a membership monitoring report every four years that kind of it, it's a status update and it lays out a action plan for the next four years. So here in San Antonio, the, the, the big ones that are sort of very public facing and people would have an opportunity to interact with on a, on a regular basis, the Maverick Plaza redevelopment was, was well, continues to be that the, the work has started there, a hugely transformative project for the Maverick Park at La Villita. Um, it will see this space that I mean, most of us have been there for an event of some sort. We know what it's like. It will drastically transform that with, with what will eventually be three restaurants. Um, Johnny Hernandez of La Gloria fame is, is kind of the guy in charge of, of making the restaurant part happen. Also his, his company is a, is a huge part of funding the actual work that's being done there. Um, that is a goal that was initially expected to be completed by 2021, this year. Um, COVID happened, construction stopped, uh, everybody's priorities kind of got shifted. And that's, that's been the unfortunate case for San Antonio um, in that a lot of the, the things that they were trying to accomplish, and that many things got done, but a lot of the things that didn't were, were severely hampered by COVID. You mentioned in the article that the film festival, I believe, was uh, went to online. Yeah. It's, well, they, that, that has been a, um, basically a video submission kind of event. So it, it's not one that had a lot of um, public interaction. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for people to bump into each other and spread their germs um, mm -hmm. with that particular one. There, there are some other programs that they're involved in, though, that did, because of the pandemic, go online, like the, uh, the Tamal Institute that they do in cooperation with um, the Guadalupe Cultural Center. That one had been a live event at um, Market Square downtown. But during the pandemic, they, they switched that to a series of, of Tamal-oriented videos that were paid for and produced by the, the World Heritage Office, which oversees the designation here in San Antonio. So speaking of the city, you mentioned that uh, the gastronomy designation is managed by a municipal office instead of a dedicated nonprofit. Is, is it supposed to be a nonprofit or is it, is, it, well, is it not really defined that way? There are a lot of different ways that different places manage these designations I mean, around the world, not just in the U.S. 
There are a lot of specific nonprofits that have been organized to manage the designation. There are some municipal um, management structures. There are some where it's managed by a tourism bureau. Um, so the cities themselves have a lot of leeway in deciding exactly how to manage these designations, who does the work, that kind of thing. In San Antonio, it just ha it happens to be part of the World Heritage Office, which was organized um, prior when we received a um, UNESCO World Heritage Site designation for our missions. So they were already working with UNESCO in that UNESCO realm. Uh, the, the structure was there. It was in place. So that's where, where gastronomy landed as well. So we're, what are we looking forward to? I mean, the pandemic is still kind of, we're still recovering. Our tourism industry is still recovering. What, what can we expect from the city or in terms of the goals that we're trying to accomplish? This is an incredible honor. I, I, I mean, I, I just, I couldn't believe that I, I didn't know anything about this before I read your article. It, it is surprising how few people are still aware of it. And I mean, yeah, the pandemic slowing things down didn't help. They also haven't had a budget to do any sort of paid advertising. That is one of the things that they intend to do in in the next budget. You mentioned here the budget of $75,000 left for programming and advertising. Yeah. Yes. So the, the, the office's overall budget is $1.4 million. But that after that's broken down for all the different things that they do, including the World Heritage Site, yeah, the, the amount of actual money uh, that's left to to spend on projects and initiatives is is about seventy five thousand. It, it's not much. That's a very small amount. To, I mean, it, we're we're in the media world. We know what an ad costs. It's not <laughs> yeah for signs, banners, airports, or ads. Yeah, you you mentioned that. Um, it, it, is this something that we we could potentially lose if we don't uh, act on it, or is that it, kind of up in the air? It, it is theoretically possible. Um, the designations, th th this is the point of the four-year membership monitoring report to, to see how, how the designation has been managed, uh, what kind of things have been accomplished, what sort of goals they have moving forward. I can't imagine a scenario in which we actually lose the designation, at least, at, least at, at the moment. I mean, we have, of the initial main goals that were set out, Two out of four big ones that were lined out in the in the initial application have been accomplished. Um, the other ones are underway. Um, the UNESCO designations are really focused on sustainability. UNESCO has 17 sustainability goals that touch on things like uh, hunger, education, environment, um, race and gender equality, th these sort of like big picture topics and issues that aren't something that you would necessarily think about when you think about food. But the, the goals that you're going to see moving forward are going to be much more focused and energized around these sort of sustainability movements. So the idea of, of just boostering a restaurant scene, the dining scene, that's, that's not really the main focus or main intent of the designation. It's, it's really much more about, uh, kind of creating social change in, in a community and, and while preserving cultural history and heritage. That's a, a huge part of the mission. I also wanted to talk to you about your latest article. I believe you just published this yesterday about Los Patios, the gunslingers restaurant at Los Patios. 
Yes, Gunslingers is a fun new project from uh, a couple of guys who have been, um, they've been working out of that space at Los Barrios for a while doing uh, ghost kitchens. If you're not familiar with ghost kitchens, these are kind of zero contact places. That's not a sit down restaurant. You place an order online or on your, your phone and they either deliver or you pick up. It's not a traditional restaurant. So Los Patios is a, for lack of a better word, a campus. It's, it's a, a large path, a large swath of land that has several buildings on it, um, some retail stuff. It's just outside 410 on the city's north side. It's, um, yeah, it, it's not really a, it's more of a place than a specific business. And Gunslingers is an offshoot of a business that was called that, that is called Ghost Kitchens SA, Ghost Kitchen San Antonio, and they operate four or five different, like I guess for lack of a better word, restaurant concepts out of this one kitchen. So they've got one brand that does burgers, they've got one brand that does wings, they've got one brand that does fried chicken sandwiches, that kind of thing. And all of that had been essentially online delivery or pickup only business through the pandemic. And it was a business model that really made sense in a zero contact environment. But the two chefs there, Adrian Cruz and Stephen Paprocki, they're, they're, they're old school restaurant guys at heart. And it was, you know, it's hard to keep people who are hospitality professionals out of the hospitality industry. They wanted to deal with customers um, in, in a sit down kind of way. So gunslingers is, is their first almost full service restaurant. It's still a little, uh, a little COVID I guess, in that you place your orders on your phone, you pay for it on your phone. And when you sit down, you scan a little QR code that lets the kitchen know which table you're at. So basically sit wherever you want, scan the thing. And then once the, the ordering and the paying is done, the servers know which table to bring the food to. So there's not somebody who comes up and asks you, what would you like that kind of experience? It's a, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's, really fun and playful the way they've got it set up yeah, and it's a lovely it. space the outdoor patio there is gorgeous you mentioned that it still feels hospitable like i i, I can't wait to go check it out um yeah. the burger made me i mean just looking at it make me want to nap like right i'm sure <laughs> right afterwards well th th there has sort of been this arms race of hamburgers in in really all across the country where they just keep getting bigger and more extreme and more ridiculous and this is this is Kind of the, the, the latest top dog that, that I've seen, the, the bun in particular is, I've, I've never seen this done before. The, it's a brioche bun that gets dunked in a waffle batter and then that gets deep fried. So you wow. have kind of a squishy bun on the inside and this really crusty, crunchy uh, shell on the outside. It, I mean, it, it's a hot oily mess, but it's, it's really delightful. Wow. I can't wait to go check that out. All right, Paul. Well, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate uh, you taking the time and explaining the whole UNESCO thing to me and, uh, and the gunslingers thing. Thank you so much. But of course, pleasure is mine. <laughs>